there and welcome to episode 63 of the Smart English Coach podcast. The podcast which helps you get to advanced English level fast. In this episode, I'm joined by Christine Knutter from the Express to Impress podcast. And Christine has some fantastic tips for you if you're preparing for a job interview with an American company. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today about job interviews in English and particularly about different cultural backgrounds. So Christine, you've done a lot of research on this and you use culture maps to help your students prepare for interviews. Could you tell us a little bit more about these culture maps? Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. And this is a topic I love talking about and um, working with my students and clients to understand how their culture impacts their performance and and their kind of default answers in, in interviews and helping them become more aware of that and make some adjustments if needed to better connect with the interviewer. So I use culture maps from Erin Mayer. She is an American researcher at the Enseed Business School in France. Her work is very popular, very well known. Even some U.S. you know multicultural companies require reading her materials. Um, so very influential. And part of it is just the simplicity of these culture maps where and um, you look at all these different areas where our culture impacts how we do business, like communication, giving negative feedback, making decisions, disagreeing, and she plops each country on the map. So she she has a measure, you know, is 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 your culture low context, high context communication, where are you at on that? And then you can look at all these other countries where they're at. And of course, it's an average, but I will say with all of my students and clients I've worked with, everyone has told me these are spot on. Right. So um, that's been very reassuring and it's been so enlightening for me and working with people from different cultures and allowing me to have more empathy when I'm feeling frustrated when I look at this map and I understand this is a cultural difference. You know, this isn't, I can't take this personal. I can't hold them to my, you know, cultural standards. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about the countries that are represented then in the culture maps? Yes. So she has as many countries as she can possibly get data for. So most countries are represented. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Um, it is a constant work in progress. And when she can, you know, have access to gathering that research, you know, she'll certainly add that to the list. Okay, fabulous. Because I've seen some of the countries which I'm personally interested in because I've lived and worked there. So, for example, France, the Netherlands, Italy, and I've also seen that Spain is on the list, obviously also the UK and the US. But then there are also Asian countries and South American countries that she looks at. Oh, yes. African countries, all Middle Eastern countries. So right. most countries are on the list. And at this point, to access her maps, you do need to pay on her website. You can just pick which countries you want to see on these maps and generate them. 
So that's really helpful then if you have an interview with, for example, a British English speaker or an American English speaker and say you come from, I don't know, like France or Brazil or Japan, for example, you're going for this interview. You may not really know what to expect from um, a British English interviewer or an American English interviewer. Yes, absolutely. And one thing that I I have found is that many people do think they're prepared, (laughs) but there are these invisible forces, invisible like values and cultural influences that we have. Um, And it can hurt you in the interviews. If you are telling stories that would be appropriate in your culture, but that are not appropriate in the culture you're interviewing in. And also like it's been for me, people can suddenly understand why they've had some conflicts or disagreements or frustrations when working with colleagues from different cultures. Yeah, that's fascinating because I can imagine in in a British English interview, for example, um, you may well get a sort of behavioral type question, you know, and these interview questions are great to find out about how you how you behave in certain situations. Could you give us an example of what might not be appropriate? Sure. So I I prepared a few questions that we could look at. Okay. Um, let's look at tell me about a difficult decision you had to make for your team. Lovely. So decision making is done very differently in different parts of the world. So for example, In Japan and the Netherlands, getting consensus from every team member every step of the way is very important. So it's a, the decision is made through consensus and many parts of the world decisions are made in a very different way. So if you were in Korea or Poland, the boss would make the decision. And so those are the two extremes. Um, And then many countries are somewhere in between where maybe um, in the UK, the boss is going to get input, but ultimately make that decision. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Looking at some of the experiences that I have, um, the Dutch for example, are very different in terms of leadership and decision-making. There's lots of communication and often people are equal partners in Mm -hmm. discussions. Whereas I think in Italy, it's going to be your boss that makes the, the final decision. So if they were interviewing for an American company, how should they frame then Mm -hmm. that question Yes, this is a the million dollar question. And I'll tell you what I recommend to my clients. I recommend being honest and sharing how they have handled things, but then taking a moment to educate the interviewer. The interviewer may not know of these invisible cultural influences and say, you know, this was appropriate in my culture. You know, right. I was rewarded. I was any sort of ex- proof that it was successful. But I understand that this is not the way that Americans or, you know, British people handle these sorts of situations. And I am open to trying what is acceptable and accepted, you know, in in your company. So I would certainly be willing to adapt my approach if needed. 
What yeah. a lovely answer, because that mm-hmm. also shows so much awareness, doesn't it, of mm-hmm. how people do business in, in different countries. So, you know, you can say, look, this is what happens in my country and this is what was successful for me. But I understand it's different and I'm open to obviously working in a different way. That shows so much awareness and understanding and willingness also to adapt. Absolutely. Yeah, I I certainly don't recommend, you know, telling a story that would be more appropriate, but that hasn't happened. That may be tempting for people, but typically the interviewer will see right through it. And so just allowing yourself, you know, to give an authentic answer, even though it's not, quote unquote, the right answer for for that culture, but just giving that context and explanation is, is like you said, going to show them about you know, your self-awareness and and your adaptability. And sometimes also we get questions about um, your success in a previous job. And I imagine this from American companies. Now, obviously I'm not American, but I understand the idea of the American dream and Mm -hmm. that anyone can be successful and that success is seen to be a very positive thing. But if you're from a culture where success is more down to your team effort or when you don't want to say, hey, look at me, I'm so fantastic, you know, that that's considered to be quite almost embarrassing to take credit for success. How would you then suggest somebody answers that question for an American employer? Tell me about a success, for example. Yeah, great question. And I do face this challenge, especially with many of my Asian students. Right. They are more collectivist cultures and they share in the success. They often use the word we frequently in interviews. And I explain that the interviewer needs to understand their contribution. So they need to use the word I as well. They can continue to use the word we, but they need to incorporate I. So especially in the actions, they need to understand their role in that situation, in that story. And so it's finding that middle ground, you know, still acknowledging teamwork, which is also valued in in the U.S., but showing your personal contribution. I also give a, you know, a brief summary of like American culture. And like you just did, like explaining that it is valued here. And so if you, you know, want to work in an American company and you want to impress them, you will need to share, you know, your individual contributions that will, that's what will impress them. Um, I also tell them about telling stories of difficulty, you know, where they might feel shame talking about their failures in Asian companies. But in the U.S., we grow up with posters of Michael Jordan in all of our schools, and it talks about how many free throws he missed, you know? And so we see this is the, you know, the biggest success you can dream of. And and what they teach us about is all the failure he faced. So it's it allows us to start and fail at businesses. We have, you know, wonderful, like robust entrepreneurial um, environment because of this cultural attitude, you know, this acceptance towards um, mistakes and failure, but it can be quite uncomfortable for some people to talk about their biggest failure, the mistakes, what they would have done differently. But I, I try to provide a little bit of context and education so they understand like it's very common. We talk about it a lot and it's like a badge of honor. They will, they will be really impressed when 
and see you as a hero if you talk about something that a challenge you faced and you overcame it. So really just try to focus on that overcoming aspect, but it's uncomfortable for people for sure. Yes, yes, it is. And I think also probably in the UK, we're quite close to the US in in that respect that we understand that all learning takes place after you have made mistakes. But if we could just go back just a little bit to interviews themselves, what speaking tips could you give to somebody who's going to have an interview with an American employer? Obviously, you're going to feel nervous Um, before your interview. I'm interested in the communication aspect. So is the language you're going to use very direct? Is it very indirect? Do you just answer questions or do you try and develop the conversation? Are you formal, informal? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about a typical American interview. Yes, all wonderful questions. So an interview with an American is often quite casual. This is the feedback I often get from my students. I'm surprised by how casual it felt. They were talking to me like I was an old friend. Now, that is not always the case, but I consistently hear this feedback. So I try to warn people that it is going to be a conversation, not you being in the hot seat being grilled. There's going to be some back and forth, and there should be. That's a sign that they're interested in you. And so it is a two-way interview and you're simply trying to find out, is this a good fit? You know, um, do I really want to work for them? Do they really want me to work for them? Can we create things together? And so just kind of understanding that and making that shift to, okay, I'm going to have a conversation and I want to connect with this person. I want to earn their trust. I want to show them I'm curious. I'm interested in learning from them. And then when communicating um, with an American, it's important to be precise, clear, simple, almost like you're talking to a teenager (laughs) where you don't want to trust they're going to be able to read between the lines Uh, and even repeating your main points, making it very clear. So if you have three things you want to make sure that interviewer walks away with, okay, I am really good at explaining complex information in a simple way to people. If that's one of your main messages, you need to say it multiple times in the interview. So that's a really important aspect. Also, you need to show confidence. So they will only have confidence in you if you show confidence. And this is, this hurts women. This hurts minority groups. Um, It's unfair because it's also a cultural value that many cultures don't um, adhere to. But this is the way of the hiring process. And so if you want to succeed in American interviews, you need to come across as confident. You can do that in so many ways. But one example is they ask you an interview question and you say, great question. I just need a few moments to think about that. So that takes confidence to tell the interviewer, wait, (laughs) I'm thinking, but it shows you think you have that right to do that. You speak up for yourself and you also didn't say apologetically, oh, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I need, can I have a few moments to think, you know, so you, you just said what you're going to do. Americans are also impatient. So Sometimes I work with clients who pause for a long time before answering. And 
Pausing is great. I encourage it. When people blurt out answers that they're unprepared for, it usually doesn't go well. But with Americans, you need to tell them what you're doing yeah. or else they will interrupt you. That is the biggest thing. And, and this takes a lot of work. Many cultures are not what we call low context. Low context means you assume the other person doesn't have a lot of context about what you're talking about. So you need to make it very clear. A lot of cultures are high context. They assume you have a lot of shared information and you're able to interpret what's said and what's unsaid. So we're talking um, about communication styles here, aren't we? Communication so, style. So yeah. when you say low context, when you're talking about the types of language that you should use, so you're being very precise, very clear, very simple, as if you're talking to a teenager, that's low context um, uh, communication. So very, very simple sentences, whereas high context is more sophisticated mm-hmm. English, for example, mm-hmm. it might have more layers of meaning. And a lot of times, high context, people talk longer. They may tell many details of a story, whereas low context, it's going to be almost more like a summary. Right. So I know right from what you're saying that low context tends to be British English as well. Mm -hmm. We like things to be nice and simple. And even the way we write English tends to be quite short sentences, Whereas, for example, uh, Italians, I would say, are completely <laughs> different. And and when you look at um, Italian written in, uh, communication, it's very sophisticated, very long sentences, quite mm-hmm. complicated. And it always used to drive me up the wall <laughs> when I received written communication from, for example, the bank. I would say, why can't they write it in more simple ways? Sometimes I tell people, think about it as if you are writing an email with bullet point first, I'm a great listener, you know, and then you give some sort of explanation second. So that's very much an, an, you know, a presentation or an email style. So then your interview has been super successful and you get the job. So fantastic. Congratulations. You've gone through that first step. And now you are working for the company. And I would love to know, Christine, what are the important things to know about a typical American manager? Now, I know, obviously, people are going to vary. But a typical American manager, what would be their typical communication style? What would be their typical decision making style, for example? Great questions. So Americans do use low context communication. However, (laughs) we also find politeness very important. We make room for politeness, even if it's not the most concise way of, of doing something. So for example, the way we give feedback is unique. We use what's called the sandwich method. Right. Yeah. I'm familiar with that as a teacher. Okay. Yes. So you give somebody a compliment, something they did well, then you share something they could improve. And then you share something else they did great. Yeah. And Americans know, oh, I just got some negative feedback. I know what I need to work on. But they also feel like their ego is intact. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) However, imagine somebody from the Netherlands, or France, or Russia, where in their culture, if you're giving somebody negative feedback, you say it very directly, very yeah. bluntly. 
<laughs> this looks terrible. Redo the presentation. This is just an example. And they love this communication. I've discovered this in working with people. Like sometimes they are cringing when I am giving them all the positive things, you know, and they beg me to get to the point and tell them what to fix. But there's been some confusion whenever somebody from this direct negative feedback culture starts working with an American employer and their boss does this. They walk away thinking, I'm doing great. I just got two compliments. They don't yeah. realize that this was actually receiving negative feedback. And then there's also cultures where the negative feedback is very indirect and subtle. So um, places like Taiwan, it could be very subtle and, and you're going to detect it maybe by something somebody didn't even say, but you're not going to have something uncomfortable in front of people and probably not even like with your boss directly in a private room. It, it, even then it could be very subtle. Um, I remember getting negative feedback when I worked in Hong Kong and yeah. I wasn't sure whether or not it was a criticism because it was okay. done very, very subtly. But I remember also training people in the Netherlands. And one of the things that we trained people in English was how to be more tactful because the Dutch can be very should we say very honest but yes. almost to the to, for us almost to the point of it feeling rude mm -hmm. and in Italy I remember getting obviously negative feedback and my <laughs> boss you know would tell me that I'd done something wrong but it was very very uh, direct it was very honest but because she was criticizing the behavior not the person it didn't yes. feel bad but I never got the sense that she, it, it was a direct criticism of me it was of how I did the job. So it felt fine to me because here we're talking about something abstract like performance, which doesn't relate to the person. Whereas yeah. in the Netherlands, it felt almost like a slap in the face, you know. You've experienced it all. This is so interesting. I mean, talk about needing to adapt, you know, to all these different environments. Wow. I, yeah, I think it's it helps to have, yes, have an awareness of where you are and to realize that often criticism isn't personal. It's what we yeah. call constructive. You, you know, you, you're talking about someone's performance. It's not a, an attack on the person. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, yes, definitely in, in Hong Kong, if you make a big fuss and you're shouting, for example, if you lose control, then mm -hmm. that's seen as being very, very negative indeed. And it reflects badly on you if you're mm -hmm. very confrontational. I have one other point I wanted to make about just developing relationships, which right. of course is an important aspect of, you know, when you start a company, like the two ends of the spectrum are relationship-based and task-based. So in a task-based culture like Germany, trust is built through business-related activities. Um, this uh, America is also a, a task-based culture. So we actually make work relationships very quickly, and we also drop them easily. It's just based off of practicality. We need to work together. You're reliable. I trust you. Um, so let's work together and we'll take some risks. Okay. I think you seem like you would be good to work with. Let's give it a try. You delivered. Okay. I trust you. Whereas many cultures, for example, like in India, it's relationship-based where trust is built through time spent together. Right. So it could be 
evening drinks, meals, learning about one another's families. So relationships are built much more slowly and they are more enduring. They make a deep connection with that person. Absolutely. That's 100% 100 the case for Italy as well. And even to start a contract with a supplier, you need to have made good relationships. I remember when I first started working there, I was absolutely amazed that my boss would buy these fantastic Christmas presents for her best customers. And there's there's lots of gift giving, there are lots of meals, there's lots of time spent together before you even do business. So that was a really interesting uh, thing for me to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, And imagine if you stuck to your approach to building relationships that could destroy your all of your wonderful efforts people could see you as like not being very genuine or not being warm and friendly they could misinterpret you simply because you're doing business as normal in your culture when you're ready to get to business and i know americans have certainly been criticized for that when working on business deals with people in different cultures you know trying to get down to business or trying to have a working lunch this is offensive and we need to understand other cultures and how they build trust and build relationships. This is one of the most important things to start with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think in, in the UK, it's, it's a mixture of both uh, mm-hmm. a task-based and also uh, relationships-based. I mean, we often socialize with our colleagues. So mm-hmm. it's important to have strong working relationships with your colleagues. So if you could give Any advice then for people hoping to work in an American company, what would be your, say, three main takeaways? What three messages would you like to give them to have a great work-life balance or a great working relationship with their managers and their their co-workers? Great question. I'm going to take a few moments to think (laughs) on that. Show your confidence. (laughs) I want to to give a good answer on this one. First and foremost, research the culture. Get a map of the culture compared to your culture. Understand the similarities and the differences. Second, focus on building relationships in the way that is culturally um, relevant and important in that culture. Third, be willing to learn and adapt and observe because even within Amer- you know different american businesses there are different subcultures and so you need to learn the the culture and the language especially if you know english is your second language you really want to learn the phrases and the lingo used in your environment so that's far more important than any of your other language learning efforts so writing down those phrases using them you're going to come across as one of them. And and you do want to fit in, you do want to build their trust. And so it's important you use those words and phrases. That's really, really lovely. Thank you. As I asked you that question, I was thinking, how would I answer that for a, a, say, a British company? But I think my answers are pretty similar. I would say, first of all, be friendly because Mm -hmm. people want to get on with you. And whether that's your manager or your colleagues or a client, And the fact that most jobs 
are going to involve some public facing work so customer facing work just to be friendly people like to be treated well so I would say that's the first thing to be approachable to be friendly the second thing I would say is to be willing to work hard be willing Mm. to do all the jobs that you are asked to do so even if you don't like some of these tasks be Mm -hmm. willing to do them because nobody wants to work with someone who says, I'm not going to do that. Or that job is below me. You know, nobody likes to work with snobs. So I would Mm -hmm. say that's the second thing is really important. And the third thing, which you haven't mentioned, and I think that shows all the difference between Americans and British people, I would say is to be respectful of hierarchy because (laughs) British companies are very top down you know you've got the top Mm -hmm. boss then you have the middle managers and then you have the people who do most of the work perhaps and you have to be respectful of your superiors your managers you can't go past your manager to the manager above them that is really really rude and I think that shows everything about our perhaps I should say our class system we're used to having a kind of hierarchy and and very top-down management but you have to respect it I think in the UK but you didn't say that for the states no you will see people of very different levels making friendships having business meetings I know I've shocked some of my students by saying we have lots of CEOs in their 20s in the U.S. It's like, wow, you know, so you don't inherently get more respect and prestige and at a higher level with age. Um, It's a fair game. So competitive, certainly. And and we just don't have that same hierarchy. We're more egalitarian in that regard. Wow. So you you basically you earn respect through your abilities and your skills. It's not because you've been promoted to manager, for example. Yes. And I have to make a plug here, but great communication skills gets people the jobs they want. You know, over and over you see, you know, you're like, wow, how did they rise so fast? How are they so successful? And oftentimes it is, they have amazing communication skills and even Americans, they hire coaches and trainers to work with them to get really good at presenting, to get really good at presenting their ideas clearly, concisely, effectively, gaining trust, being persuasive, because those are the skills that are rewarded in in the U.S. That is so interesting. Christine, thank you so much. It was such an interesting conversation. I have learned a huge amount about how you do business in the States. And also, I think it's going to be really helpful for people listening who um, are thinking of working for an American or a British company and who really needs to find out more about uh, the interviews and how really to communicate at work. So thank you so much. And thank you also for sharing the culture maps with us. Thank you very much indeed, Christine. Absolutely. Very nice to talk with you on a topic I love talking about and could talk about for hours. So um, really appreciate the invite. Thank you, Christine. Don't forget to check out Christine's podcast and website. I'll leave the links for you in the show notes. And if you're new to the podcast, then welcome. Make sure that you never miss an episode. And to do that, go to smartenglishcoach.com and to leave your email address. Every week I will send you an email with details of the new episode. 
Thanks so much for listening. Speak soon. Bye.